Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. I am Camille Foster of Freethink Media. Uh, delighted to be with you again. Uh, this week, uh, unlike most weeks, um, our very good friend Michael Moynihan is not joining us here in the studio. He may call in. It, we'll see what happens. Frankly, it's becoming a bit of a trend. It is becoming a Since bit of a trend. Since he went Hollywood. And... He's, all, he's all big time now doing his HBO show. I believe uh, earlier today he was in Florida. Um, both of the presidential candidates are actually in Florida today campaigning. I'm sure we will talk a bit about the campaign today, but we'll have to see if, if Moynihan checks in from the road. Um, but I am joined by Matt Welch, as you heard, editor-at-large, Reason Magazine. Uh, Matt, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. Great. Well, I'm glad Two you weeks. could make time to, to come in today. I know you've been on the road with uh, with Gary Johnson for the past By the uh, road, I mean, day or so. I mean, like the train between D.C. and New York. I mean, that's that's the road. I guess so. It qualifies. Yeah. Um, but we uh, we do have uh, an illustrious guest here with us uh, in the studio. Um, delighted to have him with us. This is, uh, I think, that we have, we have a new first here, um, and this being the 30th installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. Um, our first comedian, non-journalo, um, in the studio, <laughs> Andrew great. Schultz. He coined that by accident last <laughs> time because he was a little drunk. Great. I love journalo. <laughs> Andrew Schultz of the Brid- Brilliant up? Idiot podcast, comedian, uh, extraordinarily funny, nice human being. Uh, I genuinely like him. We've we've had drinks and meals together. That is true. Um, a lot of brunches. You nothing mean, nothing like into drink. Me. We're talking about Camille here. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Well, wait, wasn't did, that, you you know. have, did you have alcohol? No, I may no. have had alcohol on our first date? on our first date. Yeah, yeah, but but probably not after. Camille um, takes me to all the nicest places and fly. I do, I do, I do. I will get into your panties eventually. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you were you were on the road, right? Uh, last time I saw you, you were getting ready to go on the road. Yeah, you... I was down at uh, Methodist University, and then I was up in Nashville just doing stand up. Are you doing? Um, are you doing much like current events? Politics talk stuff about it right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been talking about like the pussy grabbing stuff. Yeah, and stuff. <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, which is fun. I like. I I'm I'm. Um, yeah. I don't where do you know. go with Where do you go with pussy grabbing? Because it starts funny. Wait, okay. wait. I'm I'm sorry. Um, what for anyone who is shocked? Uh, there may be explicit language. Oh, are we not strong, allowed to curse on strong this? Strong language. Oh, oh, no, no, but I, I realize family. it's not just my family. My <laughs> wife had someone talk to her and say, oh, I was listening to uh, the podcast yeah. in the kitchen while I was making breakfast, um, dinner for the kids. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then all of a sudden... <laughs> Yeah. I think it was that Matt Welch yeah. who no. started dropping f bombs. Matt, you are guilty as hell. Good, of Matt. That. Good. That is He's a thing that you LBC, do. LBC, bro. This guy don't play around. I'm sorry, I interrupted the story. Anyway, you were, pussy you were, grab it. Um, yeah. Where do I go with it? I just I feel like um, not only do women agree with Donald Trump, uh, men agree with Donald Trump in that regard. And, and when you say agree, you mean with the sentiment that when you're a star, you can do whatever you want. Not whatever you want, but he was articulating this very true point is when somebody looks up to you and they and they really believe in you, uh, and I guess you're a star, you know, you you have a little bit more liberty to sexually assault than you usually do, <laughs> right? And that's a fact. Like I And I've asked women at every single show that I've done, I said, who is the hottest guy ever? That everyone says Ryan Gosling. And I said, if, if they Ryan Gosling walks that's, up to you probably true. and flips your titty, would you have an issue with it? And never once has a girl said every you every single one of them has said I would in a I would be great. I would love it. I would I would be so grateful. Now the problem with grab pussy is it's vulgar. It is it right. Is you imagine like an actual grabbing of a pussy, 
But if it was like massage, if he said massage, pussy, caress, a caress a pussy. I huh. feel like I feel like it would have been way more. Now, also, he's gross, right? And a lot of women yeah. look at him and they're like, "He's disgusting." But I feel like if, like, dude, if a fucking one of the guys, Mick Jagger, or some one of these guys in their heyday, was like, "Listen, when you're a rock star, you can kind of walk up to girls and massage their pussy." Who would disagree with that? <laughs> I My, think the the issue the issue that so many people have taken with this is, uh, well, look, he's he's the president. Um, he's a presidential candidate. Yeah. Um, hopefully, never the president from their standpoint because mm-hmm. he's so uniquely dangerous and, and awful. From your standpoint, too. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't want any of these people to win, but that is, uh, that is another thing for yeah, it's, perhaps, it's a rough, it's perhaps a rough 10 situation. minutes from now. Um, Matt, you said you were on a train. You were following around Gary Johnson. Why on earth were you doing that? Well, so, yeah, I mean, I've been covering uh, this campaign a lot since uh, June, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he was in D.C., and that's not uh, that far to go. And I went down to watch him at the uh, Washington Post uh, do, like, a live interview with 300 of his uh, closest friends watching. And uh, <laughs> and we just so happened to catch a train uh, a train back up to New York because uh, he was up here today uh, to do a bunch of media, and he's doing a bunch of stuff in, uh, in D.C. too. So it was interesting to watch because right now his campaign is kind of – Crashing a little bit. Uh, a had, little. He had a, a poll that came out yesterday from CNN ORC at three. Yeah. Percent three. Yeah. They'd numbers, never seen a three. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Is is okay? Who's worse for their party, Trump or Johnson? Oh, Trump. Are you sure? Yes. No doubt about Positive. it. Positive. I yeah. feel like I feel like. I feel like Gary Johnson is worse. And again, I don't know anything about a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about actually. today. But, <laughs> but I feel like Johnson is worse because it's a missed opportunity. This was the perfect time in history for the Libertarian Party to have a reasonable candidate to gain steam. Like, literally, you have Republicans dying to jump ship. Yeah. Right. Yes, and, and also no. This fucking is the thing. doofus. He's just a doofus, <laughs> and I would tell him that to his face, and he would look at me and, and he say doofus <laughs> shit back. He would agree with you. He would agree. So, so it's like, it's just to me, it's the 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 cost of having a doofus at this crucial time in history for the Libertarian Party is greater than what the Republicans will lose. No, because the Republican Party is having a, a total nervous breakdown, and it's going to be the light, night of long knives, and the recriminations are already happening. People are publishing lists of like who we will never allow to talk to anything again because they were too pro-Trump. Like it's on, and and it that but isn't that good? break that breakdown. I mean, it's good for America to some degree. Um, except for that, what's going to remain in the Republican Party, at least as we if the Republican Party is going to be defined. And I don't think it necessarily will be. Yeah. Let's say on one hand, uh, it is the Trump rump of kind of uh, alt-right uh, nationalists who've made peace with the welfare state. They just don't want the wrong people to get the welfare. And then let's say the other side was represented by Evan McMullen, the independent conservative who's, who probably or I think has a, a decent chance of winning Utah. What is the difference between these people? So um, I don't know Evan McMullen. Evan McMullen uh, is uh, ex-CIA, ex-Goldman Sachs, 40, 40-year-old guy who's a big uh, interventionist, although he was against the Iraq War, uh, to his uh, to his credit, but mm-hmm. he's not against the next war, uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to his detriment. Um, but so it, it'll be— uh, you know he's a uh, he's anti-abortion. Uh, he laughs at people who want to legalize pot. 
Uh, he thinks that Guantanamo Bay is awesome and these kind of things. So it's it, it would basically be between the uh, Donald Trump alt-right and the neocons fighting over the Republican Party. So if that's the case, if those are the sides in the Civil War, and I don't, I think it's more complicated than that. Me too. It is. I think the Republic. Sorry, I think the Republican Party is going to turn into the Libertarian Party. I think they're going to ditch that's, the religious. That's hopeful. I think they're going to ditch the religious component. What is it? What we twenty percent we were talking about the other day. Mm-hmm. I think they'll just ditch it, and I think they'll see that twenty percent. Uh, I don't know if exactly filled in by certain Democrats, but let's be honest. If, if okay, if Republicans are like, look, get your. I don't want to even say abortion, but let's say let's get your abortion and gays do whatever you want to do, get married. Okay, you telling me rich Democrats wouldn't hop on that fucking train in a second? But they wouldn't ever, at least in the way that contemporary politics is, give up the abortion thing at all. They won't. No, there's there is Once no elected the- Republican who is not who is a pro-choice. That is the Gary Johnson bill. Well, they were Republican governors in the 90s right. back when you could still be a Republican governor, and be pro-choice. Right. That doesn't exist anymore. And it can't exist. The libertarians who are elected Republicans are all I mean, Rand Paul several times has introduced the Life Begins at Conception Act. Yeah. yeah. Right. This federalist guy. who's yeah, a yeah, super yeah, big yeah. libertarian. is like, no, as soon as that egg gets in that sperm, fuck it. Let's let's throw the Constitution at it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's so it'll be hard for them to get to that place. Although is that the that extent, wrong? although the extent to which the extent to which that is really the or a critical unifying issue for the Republican Party is, I, I think it's at least somewhat debatable. Trump has certainly taken on the guise of a pro-life conservative, but he's got a track ripping, record of ripping babies out ripping of the vaginas. Out of the vaginas. <laughs> um, but but there's something. Maybe that's there's what something, he was grabbing in the pussies. Well, that, <laughs> <laughs> he's an experienced doctor, as we all know. What do you mean you're pregnant? <laughs> ah, not anymore. Oh how, how, that how is many, disturbing. How many abortions do you think that he's paid for? Oh. oh my gosh! I have no idea, and I I have no interest this in speculating. Is, on no, that. This is in fact, this this actually just I mean just got. What so do you dark. think? I mean, are we talking double digits? That's what I wonder. I don't know. That's <sighs> that's awful. But I, what what I was getting at was that I think that there is something else, like ideologically, that aligns sort of Trump Republicans with sort of these other factions. And we've talked a lot about the similarities between Trump and what he's off, what he has to offer, and what Bernie Sanders had to offer in terms of this populist message that we've been left behind, that we've been taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, which which actually reminds me of of one of the the bigger stories over the last few days. I'm sure you guys probably saw the uh, the Black Je- Jeopardy skit. Uh, from SNL, oh, yeah. that was was it good? Um, it. It's actually it's pretty funny. Uh, occasionally, SNL still does funny stuff. This yeah. is uh, it's it's Forrest Trump. Uh, Tom Hanks shows up and he's playing Black Jeopardy with two black contestants. This is Black Jeopardy. Yeah, what up? What up? What up? What up? Welcome to Black Jeopardy, the only TV game show where the audience is in church clothes. <laughs> I'm your host, Darnell Hayes. Our contestants are Keely. Hi. Shanice. Okay, now. And Doug. How are you doing, sir? Oh, man. <laughs> Doug, you should be ready to play Black Jeopardy. They told me a fella can win some money, so let's win me some money. Get her done. <laughs> well, I admire your confidence. Um, and they go through sort of a cycle of, of questions. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the categories are. Let's see our categories. We got big girls. Mm, I don't know. You better. 
I'm gonna pray on this. They out here saying, and as always, white people. Big, big girls was one, uh, and and I think the question there was, a skinny skinny woman can do this for you. Um, to which uh, Doug, who is the character that Tom Tom Hanks is playing, not uh, buzzes a damn in and thing. says, "Not a damn thing." <laughs> <laughs> Not a damn thing. Um, but the but the gist of the entire skit, which which folks you should go watch because it's genuinely funny, right. is that the the Trump supporter and the black uh, progressives, the the Democrats ostensibly, um, have a tremendous amount in common. Um, a lot in common, and some of these things that they have in common are not so nice. Uh, one of the questions that is asked um, pertains to whether or not the elections will be fair. Let's go to they out here saying for eight. Okay, the answer there. They out here saying that every vote counts. Oh, Doug again. What is, come on, they already decided who wins even before it happens. Yes! 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 And the Illuminati figured that out months ago. That's another one for Doug. I mean, the observation you're making here is, look, uh, Trump voters and, and Democrats are, or black Democrats, have a hell of a lot in common, including perhaps um, a bent towards the paranoid and conspiratorial. Um, and I, I actually yeah. sent a message to Robbie, uh, who works over at Reason with you, Matt. Um, and Robbie had written a post about this that I thought was pretty good. Um, but Robbie also nods towards the the fact that, well, black people are skeptical about elections and they've got reason to be. And he links to two recent stories about voter suppression in North sure. Carolina. That's not what that is about. That shit is about the same thing that chemtrails are about. Like all of the paranoid delusions, the nonsense that is believed by certain people. And I know the government administer AIDS. Kanye West. Like that is where the belief in sort of rigged Wait, elections comes from. A point of order here. Are you criticizing Kanye West? Because <laughs> I've known you for Indirectly. a while. Indirectly, okay, okay. but I've I've criticized Kanye West on any number of times. Okay, can we go back for a second? Uh, why yeah. aren't black people Republicans? Why aren't they as a as a general yeah, rule? Yeah, I mean, black people are the most religious group in America. Yeah, right. They're anti, for the most part, anti-abortion, and uh, and I'm saying, yeah, I don't, I don't actually. And know I would say how, how you could. I think you. I think there's some statistics. The most they're more homophobic than. Um, other minority groups that are the most homophobic, and I think that's part of the religious uh, component. But uh, so why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they go straight Trump with the yeah. Republicans? I, I it's actually, a weird thing. Like, I, why wouldn't the Republican Party just just put out an olive branch? Like, dude, we're we're all on the same page. Well, I think, I Trump, think they, Trump has uh, said, and this you'll hear this among immigration restrictionists. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, oh well, you know, black people hate the Mexicans more than anybody because they're taking their jobs. Directly. Wait, Trump said that? Oh yeah, Trump oh, yeah. said black people hate. He probably did. Well, he no, okay. I, 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 okay. I won't make that bold claim. He probably did say that. Okay, no, I just said, want to be sure. He Ooh. said he said that it's the you know uh, we're, we're going to win with the we're, we're going to win with the blacks because uh, the, they're concerned about immigration too because it's affecting their jobs. Mm -hmm. And he probably didn't say it nearly that nicely, but yeah, uh, something. That, but that's always been a claim. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's a pretty thin read to go yeah on. i mean it's I, peculiar to me i mean look my whole family my father's uh on, on my father's side were, were like staunch republicans you know like my my uncle was an editor the editor of reader's digest back in the day like holy he, cow cia then uh no not cia but no i like, mean cia like like what gave they, the the u.s government 
paid a lot of you know, Reader's Digest was on the payroll. Oh, really? Yes. Shit, I, did, I didn't know. Well, maybe. Once I mean, uh, look, Michael Moynihan gets here uh, let's uh, talk about via it. Skype. No, because uh, I want to talk. I mean, like, he was at, like, the McCarthy hearings and shit like that right. back in the day. Like, it was, it was so they were staunch Republicans, but during the, the civil rights movement, my dad felt um, that that the conservatives, they just didn't um, react the way that he wanted them to react to what was happening and, you know, to, um, I guess, specifically black people in America. And he changed sides and he was very motivated by Martin Luther King. Like I grew up in this household where every Martin Luther King day, he would sit us down and we'd listen to the I Have a Dream speech. Yeah. It's a very rare probably household to grow up in. But my, my, my confusion recently has always been like, why wouldn't you just, why wouldn't the Republican Party make an effort to bring on board Black people is at least religious well, they, black I, people. I think they There's, have. I think they have made an effort. How, um, especially in like recent years? Who black Republican? Well, I mean, a, a not self-identifying black black Republican at some point in your life. I was I was never a like registered Republican. I for a period of about three and a half weeks, like after I decided to, I decided I definitely wasn't um, a Democrat. I said, well, I must be a Republican. And this I was r- relatively was younger then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was still in college. Um, but that didn't last very long. Um, I, it wasn't long before I found um, bizarre publications like Reason and started reading those things and self-radicalized and it, and moved on from from Reason to Murray Rothbard. Um, but um, who was a columnist for Reason for fifteen twenty years? Well, there you go. Yeah. So what? So, so what's the argument right though? What, what? But but I, what I was going to say was, you know, a lot of people would start with an explanation of yeah, civil rights movement, the Southern mm-hmm. strategy, and all of this other stuff. But I, honestly, from a contemporary standpoint. Um, I think, and this is a this is a longer conversation about sort of race and identity. Um, I think that the conviction that Republicans are inherently racist, that they are sort of diabolically working against your interest all of the time, mm-hmm. um, that that belief is an essential component of black self identification. Um, at this point, but it's not invented. And what's what's what do you mean not invented on their part? It's it's reinforced by any number of myths. It's reinforced by you think that's by, just by black identification. Of, I would say that's liberal identification as well. Well, no, I, any that, white well, certainly, in New York certainly, certainly amongst certainly amongst them. But I don't I don't know that it is believed in the same way. Look, ninety plus percent of black voters will vote for the Democratic candidate this year. Um, and as did. they have as they have in previous years. Right. Like that sort of lockstep sort of orthodoxy when approaching the polling places yeah. is bizarre and strange. Um, and it, it suggests that there is sort of something else going on there. I don't know that the Republican platform, so far as I can tell, um, and not I don't know, the Republican platform, in my estimation, has not been littered with things that are secretly racist for the past like 10 years. Do you buy the argument that Republicans are trying to um, make it more difficult for people to vote, particularly in a way to suppress the black vote? I think that Republicans and Democrats both engage in all manner of sort of legal, I'm I'm using air quotes you can't see, efforts to try and dissuade other people from voting. And yes, obviously, since black people as a block like vote disproportionately for Democrats, just by targeting Democratic strongholds, 
and trying to do things to make it more difficult for them to vote or diminish their power by, say, gerrymandering them into districts, you end up with this. Is it motivated by race or is it the same sort of political gerrymandering that Democrats engage in, in when they're redistricting? I'd say it's almost certainly the latter, There's a... um, especially since there are plenty. Look, here's here's the thing about racism and Trump and Republicans. You're going to boil it all down? No. Well, well, there's at least <laughs> at least part of it. Black Republicans are loved. They, they are heroes. And you don't even have to be particularly bright. Um, you can be a guy who is a really smart brain surgeon. Uh, being a brain surgeon is hard. But you are apparently awful at everything else. I'm talking oh. about Ben Carson. Holy cow. And you are loved. You he is loved. The, they you wanted you to vote for Ben Carson. You man's hand when you were a teenager. Multiple times. I've met Ben Carson multiple times. And you were talking shit about Ben Carson? He's, Do you know he's done it to himself. He's brought it on himself. Are? Yeah, but it's his mouth. It's his mouth. All right. um, but at any rate, they, they love those people. And that's, the, and that's the truth of the matter. And they, they are desperate for other people yeah, to join their cause. Tokenism? It's ideas is what it is. Like it's the ideas, we gotta ideas, the we ideas gotta matter. Okay. Yes. Of course, it's but exactly it's still ideas. It it's on. not as though when I'm Ben Carson racist. joins. I'm not racist. I like him. Look at him. it's not as though when Look Ben Carson. Look what color he is. I'm not racist. But it's not as though when Ben <laughs> Carson on. joins, Ben Carson goes, is, is required to take some sort of pledge to hate black people forever and ever. Amen. There are differences between the parties when it comes to sort of philosophical approach and the, the, in, the, the issues that are of interest to them. Um, so those things are meaningful and they matter and they signal something too. But I do think that there is at least a component of this, however big or small, that has something to do with just self-identification, with a pervasive belief that there is sort of racism everywhere. Um, and that we have only to uncover it. We have only to uncover it, and even if it can't be explained, it's, it's there somehow or another. Ben so Carson, maybe a good segue. Ben Carson or Donald Trump has to grab your wife's pussy. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Tracy's mom. Why do you know he's talking about my wife? No, no, it's going to be both of you guys are going to have to decide. Who, who is it? Who would go? Neither. Go. Neither. Obviously, neither. Neither. In a hypothetical I situation, I can't answer to, that to, question. To end cancer, I can't answer. To oh end my God. cancer and no. world hunger. People will, to people end will die. Cancer and world people hunger. People will die, and they'll continue to go hungry. And you know why? Because Jesus said, "The poor will always be with you." I want to point out <laughs> yeah, that. What we are seeing here, Ben Carson, by the way, easily I would <laughs> prefer him <laughs> because he's a doctor. Pussy. Those, those he are... knows how to grab a pussy. Probably. He's a doctor. Yeah, he's a yeah, doctor. He's been medically hands. trained. Yeah. Yeah. this is true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, your mom yeah. probably wants. That I just too. want to see him separate his hands. I mean, I've never uh... seen that. <laughs> Much rather his hands than John Kasich's hands. Oh my god! What a nightmare. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I want to go there at all. Uh, yeah, I think it, this is a watershed year for. Um, I don't want to say white racists, but let's say white racialists or white um, ethnocentrists. Let's come up with a softer, better word. But um, uh, you're talking about like the the V Dare sort of no, American I'm not actually crime. not necessarily. I mean, they're part part of it okay. as it stands now. I'll shut up and let you make your point. So, and this is a this is a history that libertarians too often kind of just decide not to to. Engage with, and that's one of the things I had a. Uh, I interviewed uh, Gary Johnson today uh, for the record, but yesterday I took a, a train ride with him mm -hmm. just to kind of hang out because I've interviewed the guy like a dozen times in the last two months, including in this room with you when he endorsed you for president it's in 2020. True. It's and, true. 
Uh, and that's, that's an important fact. thing. I, I have not officially said that I would run for it's office. It's an exploratory committee. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I, I have not organized any exploratory committee. Has I'm, Matt Welch done so possibly. unilaterally? That's possible and likely. At any rate, mm-hmm. I mean, to answer, to go back to your original question, the, the big two moments, big three moments in black identification with the Democratic Party over the Republican Party were the New Deal, the Civil Rights Act, and the Southern Strategy. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that any of that is particularly disputed. The New Deal- Sure, I think that's right. Uh, and, and, but uh, for libertarians, the, uh, the Civil Rights Act is the biggest question because a lot of libertarians, and per- perhaps even you, Camille, mm-hmm. um, have a principled objection to the Civil Rights Act's um, uh, prohibitions on people on private businesses discriminating against their customers with the libertarian belief that they will eventually be punished. And so we don't need to have the heavy hand of government to go in there and break it all up. And it divided a lot of libertarians. There's, and to this day, there's a lot of people who are have different ideas about this. Richard Epstein, the great uh, libertarian legal scholar from uh, Stanford, Hoover Institution, he argues uh, for me persuasively that the public accommodation clause in the Civil Rights Act was necessary because that was the only way to kind of break open. You know, you just couldn't get a hotel room anywhere in Florida, and that's now it's a problem. You need some, you need something yep. heavy-handed to make that happen. So, anyways, um, at that moment, a whole lot of racists said, "Huh, states' rights sounds pretty good to me," mm-hmm. and glommed themselves onto Barry Goldwater. Barry sure. Goldwater, who himself was an anti-racist in a very strong and meaningful way. As sure. far as I know, he helped conceive the NAACP in uh, Arizona. Um, he was, he, I mean, he was always uh, championing the rights of Native Americans and these types of stuff. He didn't come; out, he came out of there through philosophy. Also pro-choice, that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think that was later in life, but definitely, uh, yeah. and also pro uh, gays in the military. So yeah. he, as long as you can shoot straight, I don't care if you are straight. That was his. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Uh, so Barry Goldwater, this non-racist, um, was tarred as an insane person and a racist in '64. But part of the reason why is because a lot of yahoos switched teams at that moment. The Southern Democrats, who were uh, uh, the biggest upholders or some of the biggest upholders of the Jim Crow system of laws went over to Barry Goldwater's side and the uh-huh. Republican side in 64. And then uh, afterwards, when Richard Nixon was sort of talking about the silent majority, uh, he kind of consolidated those gains by making yeah. Yeah, more yeah. subtle nods in that direction. And so I think it's a rational tragedy, right? A rational uh, tragedy that it, it seems to me if I'm in a position of the modal black voter at that moment, I'm like, well, you know what? This team is on my side and this other team is not. I think the historic roots aren't in dispute. Uh, for me, it's a matter of why it continues and why any Republican who shows up to talk about, say, I don't know, free markets and trade um, or even things like, say, criminal justice reform is immediately distrusted. Um, and I think that that is... That sort of behavior, when mm-hmm. there is just this knee-jerk distrust of those other people, distrust even amongst people, uh, amongst black voters, even amongst people who have no direct experience with that and don't mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to explain the roots in the way that you have, only have a vague sense that there is a racist enemy on the other side. And it's, it's worth noting, as, as we have in the past, every single Republican candidate for the past forever, <laughs> almost has been tarred and feathered as a racist for various things that they did or didn't do. I mean, um, and it's possible that they all are. And this year, it's um, finally, yeah, this if is if it's not this is what true, I hear. This is what I hear. True, uh, I think, and and I, I, as we've talked about in the show, I 
don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out playing who's the racist. You know, yeah. I just it's it's it's, it's, yeah. it's worthwhile to avoid that game. But you can you can identify people who are through their actions, I think, consciously playing at a racist audience. And I think Donald Trump has. Yes, he's well, playing he's at a racist audience, but do you think he's a racist? Do you think like, I don't know. I don't know, and yeah. I don't care. I like I, You know what? I think that he's a collectivist, and I think that's a more useful frame of thinking about this. And, and, the, and, the, and the collectivist meaning you belong yeah, to yeah. this category, and so you, you carry the collective yeah, yeah. characteristics of that category. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, we've, uh, you know, Ayn Rand, who's not someone I quote a lot of time, had, had a great uh, quote about uh, racism, racism, saying, you know, racism is the worst form of collectivism. It is assigning, you know, uh, uh, group characteristics to people yeah. and locking them in there. So it's anti-individualistic. And, and so, uh, for me, the most uh, collectivist moment in the campaign was when he talked about the judge, right? The Latino guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because his parents came from Mexico, even though the dude was born in Indiana, yeah. he therefore is unable to uh, judge his uh, a Donald Trump case in front of his court because, come on, you know, he wants to build a wall. And so he's you're saying, look, you it, it's the same old dual loyalty type of pledge or uh, critique that people uh, used against Catholics and against Jews in this country and in this city. It's also uh, the exact same argument that was used to argue in favor of Sonia Sotomayor in a different direction, that correct. we need to have Latinos there representing yeah. their, their and, identity. And furthermore, group. when you're on jury duty and the crime is about you know getting robbed for your bicycle— Mm-hmm. And they ask you, hey, have you ever been robbed for your bicycle? You go, no. Has your dad? Yeah, he got robbed from his bicycle. All right, well, we can't have you on the jury. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? you got history of bicycle robbery. You might be biased. So it, 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 it's the exact same question they would ask, right? Like yeah, if, yeah. I just don't see what's that it's the, that it's wrong the, about it. It's, well, it's the prevalence the jur- of it's the prevalence of identity jury, politics. It's, it's uh, I think there's a di- difference between jury selection, which is bizarre, right. and weird, and wrong, and and like what's great to be a, a prospective jurors out there who don't want to serve. Yeah, just tell me you're a libertarian. Why they, why they hate it? Yeah, I mean, because they'll say, "Oh, okay," you know, they'll roll they'll roll their eyes at you. Yeah, and yeah, say, yeah. You know, You're too logical. Because no, it's because <laughs> that you will be predisposed against giving settlements to people who are like you know trial yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah and also that you might have biases against judges and like you have a, a thing against cops or whatever they just think that you are yeah. not able to render a thing but that's you're... so much better than saying you're a racist that no. was the go-to back in the day <laughs> that's not gonna work that's not gonna work well this yeah. is this is the thing about the the trump accusations i have friends that just blatantly do it like, what's that that say they're like, racist how do you feel about chinese and they'd be like i don't like, don't those like them <laughs> <laughs> all right have a good day sir <laughs> i just sent you home I, it I plays, it had plays a, a little I, better i don't remember the exact circumstance but who like tried that and they saw through it no! <laughs> like we don't believe that yeah, you're a racist yeah, yeah. you got I, a good guy inside i do i do wonder though matt if the vet if the very best evidence that can be mustered to demonstrate like donald trump's uh racism is like citing the fact that he suggested um a lawyer who he presumes is hispanic will probably not like him because judge. of the way that he i'm sorry a judge who was probably a lawyer um at some point, uh, won't like him because of his support for the border wall. If that's like the best evidence that we can muster to say that he is a racist, I, it just doesn't really wash with me. And but for I'm me, not, most not, of the I'm most not, of the stuff I'm that not Donald Trump, him a racist. I'm, I calling, I'm saying it's but a collectivist. He's look, saying that because I, I, I of the of his birth, he's in, unable I'm not, to perform his constitutionally I'm not sworn. You. 
duty. No, this. I'm but not this fighting is, you on that. I'm saying that this is the this is the dual loyalty uh, charge, uh-huh. and it is nasty. It is a nasty charge to make. It is, but it is also an. It is argued for in the affirmative by virtually every proponent of identity politics who which talks is, about is not finding me. representatives of their various groups to come and stand up for people. But when we suggest that this year has been like the year in which white people have been able to play the game in a similar way, because that is what we're suggesting here. It's not that white people are now sort of uniquely deplorable, but some of them are beginning to play the game in a similar way and are beginning to talk about these issues in ways that were previously taboo. So they're white, not allowed to be able to, to mention now, is what you're I'm not suggesting that. No, I'm saying that they traditionally are not really allowed in polite company to, to make victims. certain observations. No, to make certain oh, observations. observations. To talk about to talk about like racial groups in the same sort of in the same sort of way that say black people can. If there is a charge leveled at a white person that they are racially insensitive, that they have privilege yeah. or various other things, generally speaking, they need to be very careful about the way that they respond to those charges. Yeah, I feel like when you're white you just need to be more specific. You know, like when you're when you're when you're black, you can just say, "Hey, white people are this," and yes. people go, "Okay, fine." Yeah. When you're white, you got to be like, "Listen, Jamaicans are," <laughs> and, and they are, and they, they, and they are. are, and they are and, remarkable. And, and, and honestly, yes. and honestly, if you're a Jamaican dude, you if if you say something that's on point, the person will actually respect it. The Jamaican mm-hmm. guy will be like, "Wow, okay, I'm surprised you actually." There's like the reverse soft bigotry. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, you're a white guy. You know something about Jamaica? All right, that's pretty good." You know, <laughs> and so I've always felt that as a white guy, is I can't. My umbrella just has to be smaller. Yeah. If I'm going to make a blanket statement, it's just got to be a tinier blanket. Now, you're, well, on, you're on Charlemagne's show, Charlemagne the Gods yeah, show, yeah, every, yeah. every day? Well, we do. No, no. We do a podcast together, and then okay, I do it's, a, it's their, their, a TV. It's their podcast together. Well, well I mean, you know, he's huge, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but and then we had a TV show that I that I would be a panelist on. So, but, yeah. Tell me about that experience as a comic. I, I presume that you're white. I, I, yeah. I no, I'm white. I'm, white. I'm I'm super white. My mom's from Scotland, born and raised there, and then my dad's like an Irish my German New Yorker. from Scotland. There we go. That's Jamaican. They got out there to Jamaica. Yeah, for sure. A lot of that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and and I'll be honest, like, to me, it was never, like, I grew up in New York City. I'm born and raised in New York City. You know, like, seeing... Yeah, you're an ethnic New Yorker. There's no question about that. Okay, yeah, whatever that means, I don't even I don't, know. I don't know. I'm from California, so I look at you like, yeah, this guy's from New York. Yeah, it's just like, you know, but I, it just was never, like, shocking. People ask me that all the time. Like, is it like, you know, oh, you're in this world of hip-hop and that kind of stuff like that. It's like, dude, black people were normal for me. It's like, I was never shocked by seeing black people. Like, so... But you're a comedian, and yeah. you're, you're having fun, and... And I I know Charlemagne. Like yeah. they talk about they they like stretch the envelope of conversation oh, of like conversation constantly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So what's that process? Like? Oh, I just get called a white supremacist all the time, <laughs> uh, constantly. I got called a snow coon. That was pretty good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's my new Twitter handle. Mean? A snow coon it doesn't mean anything. It's just like you put a white term in term in front of like a derogatory term for black people, and then it flips it for white. Yeah. Right, so like, so like you're it, trying to be black. What's your background? No, no, it doesn't mean trying to be black. It's not. It's not. It's, I'm, I'm actually like a sellout to white people. Is essential because oh, I imagine right. a so coon a would be, kind of yeah, 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 cuck okay, or whatever. That, yeah. that's that, whatever that, term. that means. Uh, but like, what's your background? I uh, you know, the usual crappy British Isles. Mostly. Okay, so British, German. you know, or German. Okay, so instead of like a porch monkey, you'd be like a pretzel. 
monkey. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's really fun to flip derogatory yeah. terms. See, racism is cool. Well, there was so. there was something else though that somebody had asked us about a couple of weeks back, and I think it got a mention when the documentary first dropped. But it was this doc, um, the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. which is a, a feature documentary uh, that was made, uh, directed, and produced uh, by the acclaimed director of Selma. She is uh, actually the first first black female director to helm a $100 million film, if you didn't know that. Uh, not many $100 million films helmed by that many people. Nice. Um, uh, so the, the first black female one. It What's cost $100 million dollars to make Selma? Apparently. How um, much was the bridge? I don't know. I don't know how much that scene was, and I, I don't even know where the money million went. Dollars this is Selma. this is the headline. Oh, this is the headline. Made oh, it yeah, made a hundred. I thought no, that was the budget. I don't know. There's no way they spent a hundred million on. Se- <laughs> there was no Transformers. I, I, <laughs> they spent like ten million on Malcolm yeah, X. It's They're no not. Way. But, but this is this is a me- There's no this is a way. makers. It's a makers headline that okay. I'm looking at right now. But in, right. e- in either case, this film it must have made a hundred million, probably. Uh, we can look that up. Somebody can look that. I up. need to know how some of our interns should look that. Hundred million dollars on some. Um, but the film, the film, this documentary is ascent, is called the Thirteenth, and it is called the Thirteenth in honor of the Thirteenth Amendment, right? Um, which the film goes on to suggest in its tracking of the black experience in America. Mm-hmm. I would use air quotes, but I won't bother because you can't see it. From slavery to Jim Crow, um, on up to today, uh, the argument that is made in the film quite ham-fistedly in my in my opinion um is that we can draw a direct line from slavery to um or from the broken promise of the 13th amendment all the way to mass incarceration today the 13th amendment was a false promise that contained the seeds of its own destruction specifically um a line that said that slavery was cool so long as you were someone who was incarcerated um the difficulty for this really highly stylized film that has this dark sort of brooding soundtrack and these beautiful shots Mm -hmm. um, is that the whole narrative is just sort of this convoluted mess. It is rooted in the same sort of new Jim Crow perspective. Um, In fact, Michelle Alexander is, is one of the many um, bright minds that is, uh, that is in this project. And there was like one example from the film of just these, really awful ham-fisted arguments that I thought was worth highlighting. Um, and, and I want you guys to sort of weigh in on this as well. But, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me was at some point in the film, there is a 20-minute um, exposition of the private prison industry and how awful and uniquely destructive they are. Um, and it begins with the assertion that Walmart supported uh, the stand-your-ground laws in Florida and elsewhere because they wanted to sell more guns. That sounds kind of silly, but this is an acu- accusation that's made in the film explicitly. Um, and then it starts to focus on CCA. How much money do they make on guns? I, I don't even know. I have no idea. It but it, but that, but many, that is like, just silly. How many guns you buy? You buy toilet paper. You it's buy just silly. paper towels. You don't, yeah. They're not making their money off of guns. Like, I can't fathom that they it would doesn't make any sense. spend money to lobby people to buy a gun. How many guns do you buy in your lifetime? Yeah. Three? It, it doesn't make any sense. Five? But it, but maybe? It act, but it actually bullets gets, you're not even using? But it actually gets far it's worse It's not a viable business. Yeah, it gets far worse than that because you have the, the CCA, which is the Correction Corporation of America. But does nobody ask that question America. to the... Not in, in the film? No. No, the film, the a... question is never posed. Some talking head says, "Isn't that the first question it, you would ask?" <laughs> well, the director, the <laughs> director is for financial gain. How much is the gain? The All director you... is clearly not interested in having any sort of conversation. She oh. has, an, she has an axe to grind. She has an agenda. There are occasionally sort of contrarian voices that are yeah. sprinkled in. Why well, keep flavor, interrupting? Because I, 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 I have another question about you. But yeah, go. Oh so. well, no. I mean, the the one example I wanted to give was the 
the Correction Corporation of America, which is a private uh, private prison um, company or uh, for profit uh, company. Mm-hmm. They uh, are worth one point seven billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in the film, at some point, they refer to them making ten million dollars a day on a particular government contract. I mean, all of that sounds scary. Those sound like huge numbers, absent context. Um, there is a report that we got from the uh, Obama administration, actually, talking about the fact that the real expenditures on the criminal justice system as a whole total over $270 billion. And the facts that we know for anyone who's actually paid attention to this is that only somewhere around like 9 to 12 percent of the prison population is in a private prison. Mm-hmm. Like private prisons and represent a whole bunch a of those very, are uh, are. Uh, Immigrant uh, prisons. Sure. Right? So yes. They're, which the reason why we have private prison complexes running that is that they did not have capacity. Right. Over, so we, overcrowding is what is what actually created a lot of created the, the, the private prison, prison industry. And it, we need and it created that. And it created that. And it created that in the 1990s. Yes. Which this is the distance between the absurd, hyperbolic argument that's made in this film mm-hmm. and the truth. The absurd claim is that. That the Thirteenth Amendment gave us all of the tools that we needed to get mass incarceration. Only that thing didn't start to happen until the 1970s with the ding, ding, ding drug war. Right, and the number exploded over that period. There was over the preceding even before period. that that I wanted to ask you a question about in in a documentary, and it said something about, uh, and they really kind of like skimmed over it, but they said something about in the 50s or the 60s, or maybe it was the 70s. All of a sudden, crime ballooned. And they had one sentence to describe it. It was something like, but it was the uh, the, the babies of the something generation. Or, it's a baby boom. It was the baby boom, so there's going to be more crime or people. I, I don't know what the argument was, but it was just like baby boom, crime, and then yeah. boom. And I'm sitting there like, well, yeah, what yeah. does that mean? C- can you guys offer some context on A that? little bit, which is that uh, it's very interesting that they boiled that down to one sentence. And I say this as someone yep. who wants to you know, legalize everything and yeah. totally uh, reform the system from its root and branch. But- there were two issues that dominated public fear uh, and uh, public concern, as a better word, yeah. um, in the 60s and 70s. Every single year, they would ask people, "What What are you most concerned about? Well, like, what's the biggest problem in America?" Uh, those two issues, without exception, were inflation, which we've all forgotten <laughs> about, because we, I mean, every single year it was number yeah. one or number two uh, from like 1965 to 1979, and the other was crime. Um, you are, since you, we were talking earlier about your sweet Jordans, and this might be the first time that you got out footwared tonight. I'm saying that his, Andrew's original Jordans over here yeah, are better Jordan than, once, better than, than your Yeezys. Yeezys. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Yeezys personally. That's oh just man. Me. Yeah, but that's yeah. what they all say. Yeah. That's what they all say. I'm just not a fan. That's what they all say. I think it's a fake Roshi run. Yeah. It is what it yeah, is. Okay. Yeah. At any all rate, right. I remember the seventies cause I grew up then yeah. and, uh, and it was Escape from New York. Well, like, like I, I came to New York when I, in 1990. Dude, New York was fucking frightening. Was my mom, <laughs> my mom lived in the lower in East Village right oh now. Oh my god! She Back said then? she would have to walk in the middle of the street to get home. No, because the crackheads would. would they like, would they jump would, out of the fucking they would alleys, tackle you. They would, tackle you. Yeah. It was insane. My, my, my. I live in East Village, and I grew up in the East Village as well. My parents refused oh, to move down there. You got a rent control department, don't you? No, no, no. My, it was an artist in residence thing that my parents eventually okay. got, and it was a whole thing. But. uh because they had a dance studio, but the, the way that they describe, and this is even in the in the eighties, no, in the seventies, yeah. my uncles and stuff, people would just break into their apartments all the time. Like that was just part of it. 
Like you just get to your house and then there's a guy in your apartment just running through it with a tank top. <laughs> like that was just part of life. In I remember well, and I'm a California kid and I was very sheltered uh, until uh, at age 21, I drove cross country and went to New York for the first time. Yeah. Like anyone from California, like this is it. I'm going to New York. Yeah. Uh, and, the, uh, and then I, I later flew to Europe uh, from New York. But um, so it was 1990 mm-hmm. and I was staying in your neighborhood in Lower mm-hmm. East Side. And it's exactly that. Like you couldn't get close to the stoops. The stoops were no fly zones Mm-mm. because those arms would come out. They'd be like uh, Fred Dreyer was for the L.A. Rams back in the day <laughs> or Elsie Greenwood <laughs> would like come out and like uh, clip you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's no do- you would have to like screw up your courage. Like, OK, OK. I'm going to go out to the corner yeah. and buy newspapers. Yeah. But I'm going to turn right the fuck back around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to get back in here and I'm hopefully going to get some coffee yeah. and I'll get back in before they can get me. Yeah. And it was like that. I can't begin to describe it. So like to dismiss all of that. Uh-huh. Um, people, can I put one more thing yeah, in context sure, yeah. for that? This is middle school. Um, I went to middle school on the Upper East Side of New York, 76, Wagner Middle School, 76 between uh, second and third. Um, I mean, this is a nice neighborhood, right? This is supposed to be old Jewish people, fancy, et cetera. There was a time where me and every single one of my friends got our North Face apparel stolen in Mm. one winter. Literally seven of us on different occasions got our North Face jackets or backpacks stolen. I was there for two. I was there obviously for my own and there for a backpack that my they buddy just, got they stolen. right off your... They just come up to you with knives, come up to you with maybe another weapon, just a group of people. This is Upper East Side. This is this is like little ladies with dogs and, you know, they don't want to go into the rough neighborhoods, et cetera. This is happening the Upper East Side. We couldn't wear red on Halloween because that was gang initiation and they were going to cut your face. That was a school-mandated thing growing up. Holy They cow. said, you can't wear red today on Halloween because it's gang initiation. they got to cut people's faces. So this is me as a kid growing up in the best time in New York. Yeah. Right? This is the best time. So just to put that into context, this is probably that's probably 2000s or something, or, or 90s, yeah. So, yeah, the, 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 uh, there was a lot of crime, and people were freaking out, and they were trying to figure out what to do, and they did a lot of bad things. They probably did some good things, too. To do that, but the uh, some of the initiatives to over incarcerate came about as that because people right. were like, "My God!" And what's interesting about this, uh, to answer your question, Andrew, is that that pattern happened worldwide, mm-hmm. and it, it to this day it is the biggest uh, uh, mystery for uh, criminologists. We're we're in New York, so John Jay, which is the best criminologist yeah, yeah. school around, it's incredible. Right. Um, they're trying to figure out why is it that everywhere in the developed Western world in the nineteen 19- uh, the, the generation that was kind of came of age in the 1950s, their kids um, led this crime wave in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. And then it all broke. It like crested beginning in the late 80s and then it went down. And what, what, are, the, what are the arguments for? They, what don't, do they, say? they don't really know. I mean, there, I've, there's a piece in Mother Jones by a, uh, uh, a friendly acquaintance of mine, Kevin Drum, that just tried to argue it was all lead paint. Which, <laughs> and he makes an uh, almost interesting correlation argument, which is like lead paint existed in the world for the kids at that time. It's and true. they got rid of it like it's in the late true. 80s. And there's yeah. no more lead paint. And so people like change. There's that. There's just like the size of uh, the demographic bubble. Um, there was, you know, the, the economy did kind of suck in most places in the world in the 60s and 70s. Um, although there's not really a lot of correlation between uh, economic performance and uh, and crime, turns out. Uh, but no, no one knows. I mean, they're just trying to figure this thing out. Okay. So yeah, all that is against that backdrop, uh, uh, Camille. And 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 
I worry that people on my side, including, you know, in theory, a lot of the people behind this documentary, just sort of dismiss that and hand, hand wave it without thinking about the miracle, uh, the wondrousness of the fact that crime has gone down since the late 80s and early 90s. And now let's, in the words of Bill Bratton, who I don't agree with on certainly everything, but like we should have a peace dividend from this shit. Um, like, you know, stop and frisk. All the gains from it, and I think stop and frisk is unconstitutional and bad, but like the mm-hmm. things that led to lower crime from stop and frisk, that happened in the first two years. And or, or you know, it happened in at the beginning. And then after that, it was just a shakedown operation to harass poor communities and have the police profit from them. Mm. And you're not actually uh, helping anybody in this process, and it's very corrupt. Um, and we can't have that conversation if we're not being honest about crime spikes one way or the other, yeah. uh, and also the, the race aspect to it. And and to tee you up, uh, Camille, which I don't always agree with you about uh, about the way that we conflate uh, racial discourse with crime discourse. Uh-huh. Um, it seems to me that it's at this point gotten into an unhelpful place in terms of solutions because if it's all portrayed because they don't care about facts at all who's they <laughs> exactly people people who are making these sloppy ass arguments mm-hmm. um in which they suggest that everything everything that is wrong with the criminal justice system is essentially a function of race if every single black prisoner was released from prison today, the United mm-hmm. States would still have one of the highest rates of incarceration on the planet. It's bad. It is just bad overall. Blacks are disproportionately jailed. They also account for a disproportionate amount of the crime. That may have a great deal to do with historical things that have happened in this country. Right? It's almost certainly a factor. Um, but I don't know that you get to any sort of answers about those important questions. What do we do about it? How do we fix it? Um, what do we do to fix our criminal justice system by by bemoaning that? And certainly it's a hell of a lot harder to do once you lose the narrative completely and you start to 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 fe- you start to fetishize the one point seven billion dollars that a for profit prison company is making mm-hmm. and you ignore the 270 billion dollars that we are spending on the carceral state in this country the rest of that money isn't being lobbied for mm-hmm. by private prisoners but police unions public employee prison unions have unions. have opposed the closure mm. of dangerous prisons mm. in the united states yeah in the that's past. their job mother jones has talked about this kind of stuff this is not crazy cato institute um, Reason Magazine, Libertarian Conspiracy Talk. It, it is a thing that public employee unions respond to incentives in the same way that private actors do. And all of that money is there. And you have to address the fundamental problems in order to get to this stuff. And you also have to acknowledge that it's a hell of a lot more complicated than just drugs necessarily because a lot of this is violent crime it is a fake ass reform and the obama administration announced what was it two months ago yeah they're um, abolishing uh, they're going to abolish more federal contracts for private prisons and and uh, so many uh, friends of mine and left uh, were like okay that's great you know that's a huge blow it's great for criminal justice reform no it it, it really isn't it just doesn't it's not going to move the needle on it it's not going to change the number of people in jail Mm -hmm. at all um, what you're talking about, it's, it is a fetishization. And you see this it ripped out of the headlines today. There was a story. I don't know who reported it first. I think it might have been The Guardian. It was about AT&T and like NSA surveillance. Mm. And nothing in the story was new. Like, yeah, AT&T has been doing NSA spitting for a while now. Yeah. Um, the only thing that was new is that 
AT&T has been profiting from it. <laughs> like once you get like the words private and profit in it, suddenly you excite an entire constituency that it was otherwise ignoring it. And we're see this is totally on the rise. There has been in the last four or five years an entire jihad against uh, uh, for-profit colleges. Right. My God, like yeah. those that that is the devil. What? what, what how but that makes sense though. College is too expensive. And you go to some of these schools, it's just nonsense. For profit college isn't the for profit actually college. charge less money. Yeah, but wait, really? Yeah, generally. I mean, if you go, I mean, it depends on on where it is. Yeah, that the thing is, for profit colleges don't have usually as much access to loans. The reason why the federal government can get in on their yeah. business is because they do have some access to loans. Yeah, I shouldn't costs. target just them. I'm saying college. I should just make it broader. College in general is just a gigantic waste of money. It's what terrible. they have at some of these, institutions. but a lot of that. I mean, I but, perform at a lot of them. It's a waste. You don't. <laughs> you don't need. It's like it's just absurd. Everything is inflated. How much they pay comedians is inflated. It's it's, to it's change, absurd. To to uh, to radically change the subject, uh, there have been a, a few comedians. I think Jerry Seinfeld's among them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Some others who just like, doesn't want to perform at the Chris Rock, like, like yeah, yeah. colleges. You know what? That's a combination of two things. Uh, one, they're just old, so yeah. they don't oh, uh, relate. Man. Chris to... Rock is old. Yeah, Chris is Chris is old, man. Uh, actually, this is so crazy. I was at you know these guys got to come to the places we perform. Seinfeld, I just did shows at Gotham Comedy Club uh, two weekends ago. In New I York. saw that on Twitter. Fucking Seinfeld showed up. So did he so bigfoot cool. you? Uh, yeah, he did. He grabbed. <laughs> <laughs> As I put it, he grabbed my show by the pussy. Because oh my God. That is what billionaires do. Okay. <laughs> so he wasn't but, uh, like, hey, I'm checking out the new kid. I heard he's pretty great. Oh, I saw him on Red Eye. He's, uh, he he's just kicking fucking it. Kid. He just went right on. I I actually thanked him. I was like, God, thank you so much for doing a show, just going on it. Because for my fans, what a crazy experience. You get to see fucking George Wallace and Jerry Seinfeld, like insane. And he just he, George Wallace was so nice and so gracious. And Jerry just kind of heard what I said. Looked the other way and walked into the room. <laughs> Boom! And I fucking ripped him on stage for like five minutes. Did you? I got, oh, I destroyed him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that but, uh, uh, that's that's you're supposed to? That's fine. I, I don't know. You got to address it. But but I want to uh, go back to, to <laughs> that to would the, actually that would be great for you though. What? Like a Drake Meek Mill beef? I need between a beef you with and Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. I know. I actually. I'm going to do fun. everything I can to promote. Let's that. make it happen. Let's do it. Damn it! But uh, but to, back to the 13th thing because I had another question I wanted to ask you guys. Um, it was uh, oh yeah. Um, it's there seemed to be like a lack of uh, accountability in the film, right? Like every other person was saying something about like the you know the government are taking these fathers away from their families, taking these kids' fathers, taking these wives' husbands away from their families, and it's like at a certain point in time, like if you know that you have two strikes and a third strike sends you to jail for life, and you still choose to sell drugs, aren't you taking yourself away? from your family well yeah yeah like i, I just i look i know look like, no look I I, I I agree we should we should we should change the way we look at you know drug laws these types of things etc sure. but if we all know something is illegal regardless if we think it should or it shouldn't if we know it is at the moment and we choose to continue to break the law there has to be a certain amount of accountability there you, you can't play this like swan song I, with the children what do you do that's illegal Andrew. Nothing really. Come on. You never smoke? I don't really smoke, man. I don't. I, never... might have, I probably bought girls that are under 21 alcohol. Okay. okay. Is that illegal? Uh, yeah. Jaywalk. That's not really illegal in New York, but in California, they bust your ass for it. Um, but I jaywalk he... in California. And, and he tears the, the tags off of those sofas. Uh, one of the things in reason I uh, asked the question that way is that there are activities that people engage in in 
nice neighborhoods in the Upper East Side, at least not in, in the 80s, uh, <laughs> and they never get hassled, ever. And if you're in a shitty neighborhood, you do. For example? Jaywalking. So right. so let's let's look at that. Let's look at something like jaywalking. Now, I think the reason they get hassled is because there's way more police influence in those, in those uh, poor neighborhoods. Correct. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it, it's not like I'm going to go and find some jaywalkers and hassle them because I hate black people. It's just, all right, you have four fishing rods in this pool over – or not pool, in this part of the ocean. you got one fishing rod in that one. You're right. going to get more fish over here. Yeah. There's so not a that, racial agenda to it. I, no, no. That's, I'm, yeah, that's I'm not setting race aside for the okay, moment. Yeah, but yeah. I, what I'm saying is that sometimes when, we, when you think about – in terms of accountability, Ability yeah, yeah. Is that and choices that people make, which is not to say that you shouldn't make a bad choice. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't make a bad choice, especially if you have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are in a place, if you are living in uh, an area that is just policed a lot differently, yeah, um, it's worth thinking about that. But yeah, don't you? I, I just feel like you. Yeah, you should think about that. No, but I mean, it's like it, it is unfair for a place for a person to be policed in a way. Even even if that person's behavior is exactly the same as yours or mine or someone who's actually illegal like Moynihan who's not here. Where the fuck is Moynihan, by the way? Well, I guess that, I would... that's that's where the accountability is like we we assume that it is an accountability problem when, in fact, we're dragnetting people in poor neighborhoods. Let's and do that's the jaywalking thing. Let's face it. Let's say jaywalking is taken very seriously like it is in California. Right. When I went to school in California, I just jaywalked. My boys refused to jaywalk. I literally remember at seven o'clock in the morning we were going and to a UC court. Santa hearing. Barbara refused. We were going because my buddy got a minor in possession. You know the whole. Yeah, the, yeah. We Open were going container. to court. It was seven in the morning. Not a fucking car on the street. He refused to cross the street with the red light. And what the hell is wrong with you? It's a red sure. light. So I think there's this attitude with him where it was like, oh, and he was you know rich kid. He came from money, so he decided to not jaywalk. But if there's a rich kid like myself that do, does jaywalk, but I saw a cop. I wouldn't cross the street. I wouldn't jaywalk. You know, the I, thing is, I totally do that now, and I've been doing it for a while. If I see cops, yeah, yeah. that's when I jaywalk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I'm not even I'm not even lying about this. If you've been to Washington, D.C., and uh, I know the, the community used to live near there, and, uh, there's the convention center, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's like right around uh, Massachusetts and yeah. 7th and right there. Big, ugly, pain in the sure, ass. Sure, sure, there's sure. always cops out front because there's cops everywhere in D.C., and it's a messy intersection to deal with. Yeah. I always jaywalk across there right in front of the cops. Um, because I want to prove to Camille once and for all yeah. that I can get away with any fucking crime you can imagine because I'm white. Camille. Yeah, you want to. You're, you're you really trying to prove that to me. Yeah, you should but, stop. Okay, but, but just, <laughs> that just, is, just that is dangerous. Get, let's go back to the accountability thing one, one, real quick. You make that decision because you know you only get a fine, right? I would choose to sell drugs if it was going to be a $50 ticket. I would just sell drugs. That's worth it. That $50 ticket is a slap on the wrist for what the for the profit I can get for selling drugs. The opportunity cost is low for jaywalking. But if you know that if you got caught jaywalking, you would go to jail for the rest of your life. Yeah, you yeah. think you would jaywalk just I, to prove your whiteness to him? Look, I'm 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 good with I'm good with the component of the argument that I think you're 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 perhaps hinting at deliberately or not that there is a cultural component that there are there there is in fact some difference in certain communities when it comes to making decisions that are just inherently destructive personally Wait, like it's it's a bad idea it's a bad idea to sell drugs you've got three strikes you're making this bad decision and you go to jail for life you, you shouldn't do that that was stupid yeah i don't care if you're white or black i right. just equally I, think you saying. shouldn't do I'm, that i'm yeah. just saying that 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 there is perhaps some sort of cultural component and, and you could talk about sort of judgment and, and all those other things but it's it's also worth noting 
that the incentives are different and the risks you are willing to run when you live in a place or you are a convicted felon who can't really get many other jobs Mm -hmm. and your best prospect if you are going to make any sort of life for yourself is to continue to break the law in this particular area because you can't really do much else. You don't have much education and you've spent a lot of your formidable years where you should have been learning incarcerated. Like the one thing you know how to do particularly well is be a criminal. So we have to Um, feel bad for that So you take risks. No, look, I'm saying that it's not a matter of feeling bad for that guy. It is a matter of recognizing that if you have a system of laws in place that increase the likelihood that people will get caught in that trap, I think, I agree I think you. you have Let's a responsibility I agree to you address completely. that. Let's change those yeah. laws. I'm with you guys. I'm on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. Think, that's but why I don't, but that's also but why I don't make those but bogus since, arguments but about since, like racial disparities. I'm with you. But yeah. since those laws are in play, uh-huh. right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reward a guy for breaking the law his whole life. I'm what not going to go, oh, that? you broke the law your whole life. Well, you can break it now because you already did it and you can't get a job. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, the, certainly retro, retroactively, and I don't know. I don't know that anyone is asking that this person be rewarded, right? Well, you're the, asking the, to treat him differently, right? You're well, asking. Yeah, him. I'm. I'm suggesting that it is stupid for certain things to be illegal. It is dumb for That's us. That's not create. him. That's law. We're talking about that personal guy. If the laws I, are but in what place, I'm saying right is now, I don't care. Like it doesn't matter to me. The law is in place. The law itself mm-hmm. is problematic, and I don't think it does us any good to punish one more person for possession of marijuana or coke or heroin mm-hmm. to to be specific to drugs. What about like robbery? Like the 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 quality yeah. of the law matters. Robbery is different. No, but robbery theft is different. Yeah, and look, theft is plenty theft, of, theft is, is is has a direct correlation to drug addiction and the drug problems. Like there there was this big thing that was happening where they were comparing cocaine and they were comparing cr- comparing crack and they're uh-huh. like they're like how do you punish crack offenders so much more than cocaine? Because crack leads to crime. Nobody's yeah, breaking in. These cokeheads no, aren't Andrew, breaking uh, into people's houses. I think in in like fucking in like the nice neighborhoods of Miami. Yeah, you, but I think and you have stealing the core, TVs. But you're insisting on you're insisting on a relationship there that I don't think you can prove. Quite Which frankly, is what that crack leads to crime. I don't think you can actually prove that correlation. I guarantee I can. Yeah, prove I'm that. saying that there is definitely. I guarantee we There can is look definitely at... a corollary relationship there. You will find that in places where crack is used, rates of crime are higher. I don't know that what is happening there is crack is pushing that crime much higher. Coke is a more expensive drug. It's more sophisticated, um, but the drugs are effectively the same drug. Um, if, in fact, there is a difference in terms of the way that the traffic of those of those drugs, the distribution of those drugs is happening, or even the, the behavior of people who happen to use those drugs, it could be a consequence of the drug itself. But you actually have to prove that. It's not enough to just say that there's a corollary relationship there. That's, so all, I'm not, that's all important, but I just want to ask the question, does anyone smoke crack anymore? No, over? it's meth. You got to It's meth, yeah, yeah. and meth the same thing. I mean, look at meth. The way it's destroying. For, yeah, I know, but you think it's Adderall, but it's I don't not think. Adderall. I don't think you, it's. You Adderall. would never suck dick for Adderall. Yeah, I, as as we have said, <laughs> people suck dick as, for meth. As we have said, as I've said in the past, meth and Adderall are in fact the same drug. No, and they're it's, not. No, but they. But they are. And they're certainly distributed in different ways. And when you get them, it's harder to know what the both the the amount is that you are taking in. Sure. When you smoke it, it impacts you in a different way. That matters. All of those things are factors. Yeah, yeah. But they are, in fact, the same drug. Um, and this is it's not dissimilar in, a, in an important respect from sort of the crack versus powder cocaine yeah. uh, differential that we try to make. I, I, my argument 
as as a rule. Adderall doesn't give you confidence like crack, uh, not crack, like meth does. Are you kidding me? I guarantee you it doesn't. I'm on it right now. I feel super confident. Yeah, but you're not. And you and you meth feel more confident. confident. You're and you not feel more confident, confident when you're in control. But again, it's a matter. Not it's meth a matter, confident. It's There's a matter of dosages. It's a matter of dosages. And meth all is, that other stuff. and I've I've done neither, and yeah. I will certainly not ever do Adderall. I'll bring you um, some tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but like meth is like you want to build a cabin, dude. Can I explain to yeah, you the power do. of meth real <laughs> quick? Do. I was in Alaska. Everybody's on meth in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Right? And understandably. And uh, I was at a fucking gas station <laughs> at like t- one in the morning. And this guy on meth walks in literally like a tornado. He's just spinning around, fucking grinding. The guy has one tooth. He has or two teeth. But they're like at different parts of his mouth. No. Just He's wiggling buying, around. Wiggling around. He's buying a case of beer and two bags of beef jerky. Can we just acknowledge the confidence that would make him think that he could eat beef jerky? <laughs> Can we? Th- th- there's no amount of Adderall that you could fucking drink that would make you th- or, or take or whatever pill form, whatever it is that you could take that would make you think with two teeth you could eat beef jerky. I can barely eat beef jerky, and I have all my teeth, and I had Invisalign. You don't, you don't know that man. That man might bite, use his gums to grind beef jerky every single he's day. He's literally of the week. gumming beef jerky yeah. right now That's as we thing. speak. He loves it. He's as he loves it. Nothing brings him jerky. more joy, and he's been doing it for years uh, since he was a toddler. Um, all I'm saying is they're different. Okay. I, I understand. Case closed. I, I, I hear. It's I hear. It's a different. I hear your thing. argument. I hear your argument. I'll continue to. I'll continue to take my advice, however, on pharmacology from the uh, from the trained from the neuro, professionals from the trained neuroscientists. <laughs> That's a um, good idea. And not and not and not the the very thoughtful. Um, very funny. I'm with uh, you. And bright. Let's legalize drugs. I'm with you. Let's and decriminalize them. I'm with you on that agenda. But I'm also, I also believe in holding people accountable for their actions and myself. And I think without accountability, you don't get changed. I'm good for. I'm good with accountability where it matters. Look, stealing people's stuff is wrong, but locking people away for possessing a substance or voluntarily like exchanging money for mm-hmm. a substance just because you told them not to, um, that strikes me as immoral i'm That's with wrong. you i agree yeah but while so, it's while it's illegal we have to enforce the law yeah i mean you could make the same argument for slavery like and for throwing all of the runaway slaves and the people who were helping with the underground railroad mm-hmm. into jail it just it's terrible like the law is we not a, virtuous because it's the law the law is virtuous when king, it's virtuous as you know from reading uh, martin luther king on uh, mlk day um, listening in listening. childhood we listening. had a tape yeah because uh, <laughs> you got to listen to the guy come on that's true yeah I have a dream today. As the letter from Birmingham jail instructs, Mm -hmm. we have a moral duty to oppose unjust laws. Amen. Holy Spirit. Ah, I like that. It is true. I like that. That is interesting. Hmm. So do we? Okay. 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 We have a moral duty. He's on meth. He's now. Now that we have a moral duty to oppose unjust laws. Laws. Yeah. Okay. What makes a law just? So who protects us from opposing? Who protects us from from holding up our moral duty? Tell, tell me what you mean by that. So if I oppose an unjust law, yeah. right, and I get in trouble for that, who's who's going to come protect me? There, there might not be anyone to protect you, so which, I might is, just go which to is why some yeah. people some people are remarkable mm-hmm. heroes who are willing to suffer for the things that they believe, willing to get incarcerated for it and pay a really, really high price to demonstrate okay. just how immoral some laws okay. are. Okay, here's another okay, totally separate question then. Uh, but uh, along the li- along these moral lines, yeah. right? Um, 
morality, how much does morality mean to us really as long as we're not faced with it, like as long as we're not actually seeing it? It's kind of a hard question to answer. Like, for example, like we only care about Haiti after the hurricane. Right, like we don't really care. Like we, the gas. Well, some, some people most, don't care about Haiti after the hurricane. Either, most but. most morality is, is in our face. It's in this room. It's, exactly it's around you. Right. So if it's if that's really all we care about is the shit that we can see, like we don't care about what happened. I mean, we yes, but the, most people don't care about what happens in the Middle East as long as the gas is cheap. Let gas be ten dollars. <laughs> Let the gas be ten dollars, and you're going to see a lot of people wanting to give freedom. You're going to see that guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah, but I I don't know if those are I don't know if those are sort of equivalent equivalent moral failures. Like the, the to the selling drugs. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is, are we maybe to, to we're, as a society we're a willing to wrong. to do immoral stuff if it makes our lives better? And maybe in this True. case, it's like I'm willing to lock people up immorally if, for whatever reason, it makes my community better. If there's less drug dealing in my community, if, if, I, if no, at least think, you believe that. I think that you bring up a very important point, and I'm sure that was uh, exhibited in the documentary we were talking before we went on air. Uh-huh. That Charles Rangel was in there, yeah, yeah, uh, and he was sort of put uh, uh, frog marched uh, to dis- frog to, to, uh, <laughs> to defend the fact that he was pro drug war, yeah. uh, at the time, and that's part of the tragedy of it is that people make uh, uh, sometimes rational and understandable calculations, sometimes irrational and and ununderstandable calculations, but yeah. they do it because they think they're making their community safer. Mm. Uh, and and every good tragedy, people are acting in ways that, that make sense. In retrospect, they just there was a flaw somewhere in the logic, and then all these terrible things happen. And that is, I think, the actual truth of the drug war, and this goes back to like the crime in New York. Crime in New York was so bad. It was bad. It, and it wasn't just New York. It was all over uh, this country. It was really, really bad. People were desperate, and they lunged for shit. And yeah. they lunged for some bad shit, it turns out. And now we're kind of beginning the process of correcting that. Um, and I think as part of doing that, it's okay to to show a... You should always be uh. able... You should always be able to allow people to in a dignified way, change their minds and to admit that maybe they went wrong somewhere. I want to shove their noses as someone who's always wanted to legalize drugs, as someone yeah. who's always been in favor of gay marriage and a lot of these other kind of things that yeah. you know Hillary Clinton only changed her mind about last week kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> part of me wants to say fuck you to everyone who's a Johnny-come-lately, especially if they're trying to bathe in the collective glow of morality uh, that they did not earn. So poetic. But also, it's <laughs> beautiful. We need <laughs> to <laughs> allow them to change their minds. I, yeah, yes, yes. And that is that is what's wrong with Twitter. That is what's, <laughs> that's what's wrong with the internet, right? It's like, it, or what's wrong with Jezebel or Salon, right? The, I, the their whole backdrop, their whole uh, mission statement is the world is sexist. Go out there and find it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the yeah. world is racist. Go out there and find it, guys. Get on the case. Find Ryan Gosling's the sex. Go and get it. Yeah. Right. It starts from this premise of it's fucked up, right? Where you're actually promoting change because you reward it we can't punish positive change if if when somebody makes the change we want them to make we go you piece of shit you <laughs> fucking asshole look at this cornball nobody too, too else would change you. too late for you who else would do it yeah yeah well this is this is we we live in an era uh un- unfortunately um where to a great many people and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up 
um, were to a great many people the crusade, the the jihad to to find people who are breaking breaking with accepted norms, who are doing things that we think are accept, unacceptable. That uh, finding them, identifying them, and shouting the loudest at them is way more important um, than saying fixing fixing problems that are important than actually supporting laws that don't just ostensibly fix things and make things better um, than marching um, against something that everyone agrees is bad. Um, that that stuff is uh, is applauded uh, and we're all too eager to do it. Uh, but the hard work of actually figuring out what's wrong uh, and figuring out what works, um, that there are not not enough people who, uh, who care about doing that sort of stuff. Hashtag Camille 2020. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Better than Gary Johnson. That's for damn sure. I'm better than pretty much everybody, but I like Gary. I think he's a good guy. Um, and good I think for he's, what? I think he's doing a good thing. I think he's a good and honest human being who is running for office uh, with a legitimate political pedigree. And if I were to ever run, I definitely don't have that on offer because the prospect of running for office and glad-handing and raising money makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Just – I. I don't want to have to ask anyone for anything. Um, yeah, but your face doesn't look stupid. Well, I'm handsome as hell. I mean, there are just not many men who measure up to me. All um, right, that's fair. So, You're talking about your penis. No, no, my face. Right. Uh, I, I, genitals are generally ugly. They, they just kind of are. No, but you said measure, so I was kind of... You yeah. think genitals are ugly? This sounds like the beginning of a whole other conversation. I want to respect your time. We've been going for 70 odd <laughs> No, minutes. I'm just saying, I, you've never seen like a pussy you just wanted to grab because it's so beautiful. Or, like... <laughs> Dear Lord. Caress. We've come full circle. That's all I want to do. Come full, full circle. circle. I'm a libertarian now, okay? <laughs> Nobody has to be accountable for everything Nobody or anything. Let's Nobody get rid of laws. Nobody Believe made that market. argument. We haven't we haven't done the libertarian. Have faith in yet. humanity. We'll, we'll do that after the uh, after the music plays from the credits. Uh, well, Michael Moynihan didn't bother to show up. We will uh, we'll fix that. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give him a stern talking to. That's what I'm happens with libertarians, Wait, right? That's are, what happens when you trust the market. Are you not selfishness? Give us a some idiot wrote this. I, I ain't got nothing. You got something? Yeah, I do. Give it to us. For what? What is this? What is it? What's so we do, we do a segment on the show called Some Idiot Wrote This. Uh, one, it is sad that you are acknowledging that you've never listened to this program. Yeah, 30 odd episodes. I mean, this. You guys this got 30 episodes? Edifying. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. But in any rate, <laughs> we, do, we do a regular segment. There's on the cadence <laughs> coming in again. <laughs> we do a regular segment on this show where 30. People, incredible. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. <laughs> the best. You got to get the best. Fingers. That's exactly right. I mean, that is, we have that the is video feed. Trouble Resonation. But yes, yeah, okay, tell me. I want Journalist, uh, yeah, some journalo wrote an article journalo okay, so, uh, that Matt hates. Last week, we talked about uh, the James O'Keefe uh, videos here. Yes, we and, did. And we kind of preemptively dismissed them out of hand without actually watching them. Uh-huh. And I felt guilty about that. I've I, watched them. I felt like a bad guy because, weirdly enough, I like James. I know him a little bit. And, uh, and you I always say that. What's that? But you, you like everybody. I like people. kind of awful. It's odd. It's odd. But there ahead. are very few people who I dislike. I know. He has uh, faith in humanity, this guy. I, I actually support this because I'm thank more you. of like a cynic like you, but it's kind I'm of beautiful. A You're a cynic. It, it is. It is. This is beautiful. Go. I support this. Go. So I went and watched because everyone was like, OK, now he's really got it with the third video in this latest uh, series. That's Not really so going to bring it all down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, OK, I'm going to you know, I was unfair. 
on the last podcast. I let Moynihan just completely trash him, and uh, <laughs> and it's not nice, James. You participated, so I, but go ahead. So I went to the Project Veritas video. That's really it's going to be the smoking gun linking Hillary Clinton to this nefarious deeds over here. I watched this thing. I want. I'm here to tell you people. This video was 15 minutes, and I am not making this up. About fucking duck costumes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even making this up. It was about fucking duck costumes. The whole point of it was that some super PAC was getting people to dress up in adult-sized duck costumes so that they could be, wait for it, Donald Ducks. Yeah. Right? They're going to go to Donald Trump rallies, and Donald is ducking, you know, IRS tax reforms or whatever. Um, and so it was all about that the, the smoking gun is that there might have been, and there probably was, let's be honest, some coordination between the campaign and mm -hmm. even Hillary Clinton herself. That's what they say. Yes. And the Donald Duck costume right. scheme, right. which the would then run afoul of campaign finance uh, laws, which prevent okay. some kind of uh, coordination, coordination from happening the, uh, from the, the, the super PACs. Matt, That's it. Matt, can I just tell you something? Please. There's no way Hillary had anything to do with this because okay. this is funny. <laughs> and, and, and I promise you... In, uh, listen, there's <laughs> my soul knows for a fact that she was not connected by this in any single way because this is absolutely hilarious. Like, <laughs> I think this is a brilliant strategy. Like, just to get people to say, how did we not hear more about this? I didn't see any well, that, images on Instagram yeah, or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. But this is a, a truly, genuinely funny thing to do to an opposing candidate, which would be very likable. I would actually like Hillary more if I found out she did this. But knowing. What I know about Hillary and having seen her speak and, and just be a person, I know that there's no way that she would have the humor to think of something like this. So I think it's safe to say that this O'Keefe guy is um, a true journalo. Is that what? Yes. <laughs> he's a journalo. He's just journalo. He's catching, he's catching <laughs> right, journal, journalo is not a term of derision. Oh, it's uh, not? No, it's not. Oh. It's not. It's just a, It kind of was. It's just fun. Fucking journalo. Um, well, there, there, there may be made more to say about um, about James in the video, but I, I having watched it um, as well, think that most of what's there. Look, there, there very well may be some sort of coordination that was happening with uh, with the super PAC. Um, we don't know. There is not any concrete evidence I don't of fucking that. Care. Well, why don't we care? Video, can, can, can I ask you guys that? Why don't we care about that? Why don't we care about anything anymore? No, we it's care like, about we but, care about things. We we care about, about sexual scandals. No, but like <laughs> we care about sexual packs. scandals. No, no, no. I'm talking about like like WikiLeaks, right? Like uh -huh. WikiLeaks released a new thing in my head. Like WikiLeaks is so many pages. I'm like, I can't. It's like reading starting Harry Potter. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna read all of this. They're too fat. The books, you know. Wait till you have kids. Is it? Oh, you! I read them to the kids. You're saying yes. But the WikiLeaks is like I I want to care, right? Because I I'm I'm a, I'm an against conventional wisdom type of guy. I I like okay, this is somebody's fucked up and it's not supposed to be fucked up. Oh, I want to. I cannot make myself read it. Why is that? We uh, talked about this on the last episode, oh, and fuck. the reason why no, it's, <laughs> but it's a great question. It's that it takes too much time. You want someone to go yeah. through it for you. Yeah. Especially if you're working in political journalism or whatever, you have to be a breast of, yeah. of a of public affairs. And you got two weeks left for this election. You got to spend your time wisely. I was so mad at James O'Keefe after getting to minute fifteen on this video because not only did he do all this kind of stuff, uh, but you know there was there was really almost no payoff. But then, what did he say? How, how did he how did he wrap the segment? Just guess, Andrew. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, if it talks like a duck, <laughs> no, oh! he did. He did. <laughs>
No! Not much there. There, there. It is worth mentioning. There is another um, sort of clandestinely, clandestinely shot uh, video of uh, of a Trump surrogate, and not a surrogate actually, is a Trump super PAC guy uh, raising money from foreign sources uh, and promising that he will uh, allow these people to to have influence at least to to, to get to the top of the pile when they submit requests to the Donald, um, if in fact he wins. Um, similar, con- similar controversy, interestingly, also not really making a lot of waves just yet. Um, although in this particular case, it was like $2.5 million. Not, not, a, not this sort of weird, this weird um, sort of amateur organization that's saying, yeah, if we can get $30,000, are you kidding me? That's all you need? To have influence, thirty Gs, boom, let's do um, it. So, anyways. but don't you think it's not making any noise because the second Hillary uh, puts this out there, Trump's going to say, "Well, the Clinton Foundation took money from everybody. How's this I, any I different?" I just don't. I don't think those arguments have been particularly effective in dissuading. Nobody people cares from anymore. For it's like anyways. we've decided who we're going to yeah. vote for. Nothing matters. Yeah. Even the grab the pussy thing was just okay. I think we discussed this before. The people who are going to vote for Trump, like the, the single issue voters, those are the people I kind of feel bad for because it's like you don't have a choice. Like if you are against abortion, you got to vote for him no matter how many pussies he's grabbing or he could literally say anything. I'm going to build a wall. You know what I mean? And, and it doesn't matter what he does. You're voting for one issue. So this guy who is at least exposed as a person with character flaws, we could say, you, you got to support him, right? It just doesn't matter, right? I feel like we've made up our mind. The single-issue voters, they're voting for Trump. Everybody else, no? Yeah. Well, and it goes vice versa, too. I mean, uh, single-issue voters on abortion on the other way. Yeah, exactly. Single-issue voters for Clinton or or for abortion the other way, you're going to vote for Clinton because you can't vote for the other person. So it doesn't matter what she says about the— about the the emails. It doesn't matter what happens because you're voting on this one issue. Weirdly enough— I mean, for me personally, I'm not. I don't believe in being a single issue voter. But if you're someone who actually votes on the issues, what does it matter the character of the president? We're going to a pretty dark place here, Andrew. I mean, isn't it? It's it's interesting to think about, right? Like if you're an informed voter, no, it's totally. You're totally right, and and you always have to balance this out. And everyone is a bullshit artist when it comes to this. It's just like they're a bullshit artist when it comes to federalism. Like, yeah, it should be decided at the state and local level unless it's a decision I disagree with. And then it and should then be, should be <laughs> the federal level. And, and temperament is exactly like that. How many fucking ghouls in the Republican Party spent the late 90s talking about how I was out. I was at the fucking White House at 2 o'clock in the morning on November whatever it was in 2000 when George W. Bush had won the presidency for the first time. Uh, and all these young Republicans were outside in front of the White House. It was the first time I'd ever been in Washington, D.C., and I was walking around, and all these young Republican like uh, frat boys from Texas and stuff were sitting there, and they were so happy that finally we were going to be restoring dignity to the White House. How many people who used the phrase restoring dignity to the White House are soiling themselves with happiness to get Donald Trump in there to replace Barack Obama? And regardless <laughs> of what you think about Barack Obama as a president, and I think of him pretty low uh, in many ways— because he's a liar, among other things, but he's kind of been dignified. Oh, yes, of course. Certainly compared to what Donald Trump would splooge all over that place. Uh, And these same people just, eh, whatever. You know, it turns out dignity to the White House really wasn't the thing that I cared about. Um, I was just bullshitting, like most people do. Do you care about dignity? I do to a degree, yes. 
uh, not dignity. More so than the issues that you really care about. Dignity. No, I more I mostly care about issues, um, and I just and dig, uh, temperament, not dignity. Let's say okay, um, temperament so. is something that is important because that could affect a decision that's that's crucial. Right. Yes. yes. So, uh, okay. like, if, if you're if you're an undignified, per- I mean, Bill Clinton was an undignified person, uh, and he's morally vacuous and he's a liar, but he's, great temperament, kind of a pretty good president. Yeah. I mean, like judged by the curve of our last several presidents, um, he w- and part of it was because he was he's such a slime bag, he was able to completely. Uh, you know, change his spots and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to end, uh, you know, big government, the year of big government as we know it is over. Um, it's like, no, that's not what you got into office for. But it's like, well, OK, but the Republicans just won the by-election, so screw it. I'll yeah. go this direction now. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a good direction. So yeah, sometimes my, my, do you uh, care about dignity in a, in a candidate? Well, that's that's just it. I think, you know, the New York Times had that uh, thing earlier this week where they ran 282 like insults that Donald Trump has leveled on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I see stuff like that. And we, we've actually talked about respectability politique on this show before, which from my standpoint, I think most of the stuff Donald Trump has gotten in trouble for is saying things in ways that are inelegant. But. In fact, inelegant, but in fact, but in fact, are representative of sort of a broader shared point of view on the role of government and certain things that ought to be done. Yeah. Um, It doesn't matter to me if you are saying things in a sophisticated way, if they are gross and bad and objectionable. If you tell me that you are going to invade Syria um, in order to liberate it and set people free and improve things, but it actually turns to shit. And you tell me, well, we're going to bomb them into the Stone Age. We're going to see if sand can glow. I don't care which of those euphemisms you use. In fact, I might prefer the asshole who uses more disgusting language because to anyone who is asleep at the wheel, who thinks, well, uh, you know, he must have had good reasons. I'd rather you be honest. I'd rather you be naked and gross and disgusting when you describe things. Yeah. We should grab forget. my pussy, don't caress well, it. We, we shouldn't forget Camille that Foster. before before <laughs> that's your autobiography. Before, before <laughs> Donald Trump's horrible border wall, yeah. there was Bill Clinton's border fence. Well, there was already a wall. That, that's the thing. I don't. Well, there was there, like, there was you're a, a California boy. You know this. It's yeah. like there was a wall. But they were talking we, about extending. Built in San Diego. I mean, Bill Clinton, kind of Clinton, Bill Clinton was yeah. insisting but, on that. But how crazy is that? That all these people, like, how dare he build a wall? Have no clue that there's already a fucking wall there. There's a wall that goes out. Of the ocean, no, yeah, yeah, because oh, they're very strong swimmers. <laughs> there is a Pacific <laughs> Ocean there, and yeah, so that's like, true. They could just why would you build a fence unless it didn't extend <laughs> no, out? It's got yeah, yeah, yeah. some kind of jetty, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, nobody's even picking a picture of it. Isn't this crazy? Like well, these people are so they're out there. They're out there. I, I if, used to make fun can. of these fucking liberals all the time about this shit, and I'm a guy who grew up liberal. But it's like you love Game of Thrones and Jon Snow's <laughs> Wall, and the second Trump wants to build one to keep out the wildlings, you know. All of a sudden, he's a douchebag. Did, yeah. did you hear that? You just called everyone in south of the border a wildling. Well, or, just or, or Canada. It just happened. Or Canada. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. You're right. Except that no one's talking about building a wall up there. What, in, in front no, of Canada? that's actually a? where you're wrong. Scott a? Walker. Oh, Scott Walker up. wants yeah, to bring it brought it up during the uh, primary campaign. Oh, it's like, good old Scott Walker. Dude, you got to keep the ice Mexicans out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they're the real problem, okay? Because they're taking that, the good jobs. That, uh, <laughs> Those are the ones is that like a snow cone? The ice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, now we've truly come full circle. <laughs> I'm going to wrap this because we could go forever, right. and we we this can let's go forever one. elsewhere. Close to it. We yeah, did yeah. it, boys. No, it's pretty good. And and look, we got to get rid of Moynihan. Moynihan, 80, 90 minutes it's over. It's 80, 90 over, minutes, Moynihan. and he doesn't he doesn't text it. and he doesn't call. No, fuck him. Um, he's on my list. Wait, am I am I not busy? No, you are. Uh, am I not? Are busy? you not busy? I'm going to Chile tomorrow. I, I I've got a pack. I'm packed. Chile, Chile. Chile. Yeah, it's Chile. If you live south of the border, I live here. The Chile. best I can do is Chile. At least I'm not saying. Are you going to Chile? How long are you going for? We're gonna have to. Skype I'm gonna you be again? there for almost two weeks. I have oh no idea God, what the yeah. internet situation will be like. Chile? I'm going stargazing in the Atacama Desert because I'm into that kind of thing. And then I'm gonna go to Easter Island. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm gonna go to Easter <laughs> Island. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Easter Island and I'm Wait, gonna go look at the Ayahuasca? big head, head statues. No. I haven't done that. Okay, but are you I don't know that they do that in, in in the Atacama Desert. No, I don't know. I mean, if they have it, I'll try. And then Easter Island, I heard that's pretty dope. Easter Island ought to be dope. Did you know that it's not just the heads? There are full body statues. Well, they're just, they're, but they're kind of top heavy. Yeah, but they Easter got really Island big heads. Like, there's no humans there, and like something with evolution. Well, the the population that was the there, or like, like that, died penguins. off. The yeah. aliens, you mean? Yeah, they weren't aliens. They were people. No, no, no. You're, are you call, are you calling you them illegal aliens? aliens? I totally Jeez. believe in aliens. Oh, my God. I, look, I know we got to uh, wrap up, but I just want to yeah, point this out. Someone... No, no, no. Because I, 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 this is something I just want to get out there. We could talk about it in another episode. Another <laughs> time. But, um, next week when he comes back. Right, next week I when I'm back. Moynihan's kind of tough. Moynihan's fucking done. Okay? <laughs> I had enough of this Moynihan. Okay. So, uh, look. But this aliens thing. Okay, because I've, I've been really thinking about this a lot, Matt. I'm being serious. This is this is like the French at a dinner party. Like, like you know, you're walking out the door, and they're like, "Oh, but uh, did well, you eat that one?" one? He uh, told me he had to be out of here. I'm trying to yeah, get him out. I wanted here. to watch the Knicks game. It wasn't that serious. So, 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 uh, okay, okay. With uh, this is why aliens. I kind of might believe in aliens or some kind of interference. Right? Uh-huh. Is um okay. It go, I went to I went back. I went to Burning Man. Right? Yeah. Have you ever yeah. been to Burning Man? No, all the great no, stories we were talking here. about that beforehand. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. We spoke about Burning Man. Beforehand, but I haven't heard you Oh, yeah. Reports, then I went. So it was just a great experience. I'm not going to get into it, but a great yeah. experience. But, uh, and I did Molly for the first time. And uh, Molly is just powdered love. That's that's illegal, by the way. I know it's illegal. You go to jail for that. I know. And, I, and I, it's worth it. <laughs> and, uh, Powdered love. <laughs> Wait, I right. thought we were talking about like responsibility, hey, morality, so accountability. Go saying, on, it's go worth. Ahead. I'm being accountable. It's yeah. worth going to jail for. If yeah. you lock me up for it, it was worth that experience, however yeah. many much time that would be. I know that um, if you went to jail, you would be someone's girlfriend. You think? I'm yeah. six two and I got hands. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I used the box. Let's go, baby. Just, Not to mention, I got a hairy asshole. You have nice. So <laughs> that's you, what they like. If you want my asshole, you want it. Like I got to give you credit for getting this shit. It is not pristine and oh my hairless God. like you. Yours. This is so dark. <laughs> Mine comes with who is like you, a, who is a yours? filter. Who's you he talking to? Keep going. Lord. Okay, keep going. So I, so I drive it. The, it's powdered love, right? Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, human beings, powdered fucking love. Like, that's how brilliant humans are, is we powdered love. And the next smartest animal is probably a chimpanzee. And what they can do is they can stick a branch into a tree and then get ants on it and then eat the ants. Aliens. What about aliens? No, there, no, you're there right. There needs to be, there's no way. There's got to be some connective that we, tissue. There's something missing here. Evolution, I get it. I believe in it conceptually. Okay, yada, yada. But there needs to be some other catalyst 
for why we are so much more intelligent than every other. Animals are fucking retards. <laughs> Literal <laughs> retards, right? <laughs> fucking retarded. <laughs> retarded. Re- like, retarded doesn't even... I honestly, just, if, I, if I had an animal that things... was as smart as a retard, he'd be the smartest animal, right? So it's like, I can't even give animals that much just... credit. We're like, oh, look, an orca it can swim in it. No, it's not. It's in a fucking tank. Oh, Do my you know gosh. So my point is, <laughs> this is there's, there's something just... missing. Thing on the on the evolutionary scale, there's something missing, and I think it. Why hasn't everybody evolved with us? Why are the we the only ones that evolved? Listen, I, here's here's an important point. We as a species, He's with me. Big we as a species, we as yeah. a species have learned to cooperate. The average person mm-hmm. is perhaps only so much smarter than the dumbest primate. Bullshit. The dumbest primate Bullshit. of any other species. Hold uh-uh. on a second. Are you oh no. Spontaneous order. What's that? Is the key to evolution? I'm saying it's the key to why we are doing so amazing. No, I'm like, but you have like yeah, a libertarian I mean, rap about well, why. No, well, certainly, it is certainly true that the key to our progress as a species, mm-hmm. like, is the fact that we cooperate with one another and do things. So before that, no, actually, they don't cooperate in the way that we do. Not like trading between tribes and all sorts of specialization. Not in the way that but we how does do that it. Increase in those in those colonies, and look, in those colonies, do well. And they survive and they thrive in mm-hmm. ways that other species don't. They're they're pretty numerous, like bees and ants, etc. But I'm saying that, say, that for sorry. us, that is one of the things that I has disagree. really differentiated us. I think us. fucking each other over is actually what helps us. I don't I don't think that's right. I think um, fucking each other over I'll, I'll makes, me, makes me think. Like if I'm a bee, all I gotta do is one thing. I think protect it's the... this queen, get that bitch pregnant, and then keep it moving, right? <laughs> I think if, it's if perhaps I've... the fear that other people will do bad things exactly. to you. Exactly. That fear is gonna make me protect myself, it's gonna make me think critical about situations, think yeah. how I can take advantage of somebody else, and we have a super low murder rate. That's another thing. Well, we have a low murder rate now but because we've learned to cooperate. Because we've learned childhood. to cooperate with Unlike, one another yeah. in, a, in a better way. And and there's something to be said for the fact that our species like didn't do exceptionally no well for millennia. Tell me how why but, but we do you, evolved. But do you hear what I'm saying? Like our species ha- did not do I particularly can't well. Believe for he's many ending millennia. the podcast on an aliens and evolution. All yeah, I'm saying, I don't even know. It doesn't necessarily have to, to be crazy. You're being all judgmental about bees, frankly. What do you mean about you're bees? You're kind of being a little bit uh, humanist. You're being a humanist. I am. Yeah, Damn I right I am. I am. Look, I'm speciesist. Not racist. I They're hate race. They're fucking dumb. But um, I'm willing They're to draw a line in the dummies. sand. Between all us and them. All of them are dummies. And I hate bees. And we celebrate their stupidity. Oh, look, the dog sits when I say sit. Ooh. You know, my, my, dog, is, my dog is dumb. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. They're dumb. But he is smarter than most dogs. But at you any know, rate, at any rate, it's something happened. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know, know that aliens, aliens and maybe are the we thing. bred with the aliens. Yeah. I'm, I'm skeptical of this. Be, no, I think so. Yeah. I could be. Yeah. I don't believe that the pyramids shit is aliens at all. Oh my god. I don't believe that's aliens. <laughs> that's good. That's not aliens. That's I actually good. Have no, a joke that's, about that's very that big shit. of you. I have by a the way. joke about that shit. <laughs> it's, it's because, I don't actually. I don't want to give. Come on, joke come on, come on, come on. No, right. no, we got to go. No, I Matt, know. I'm not going to do it. Joke. I'll tell you the joke. And music. Then we go out of here. We Thank you. Here. No, no, this joke is... first. Joke first. Okay, the music. music. No, so joke say, first. Joke first. So I say that you know they say that the they say that the you know that the Jews built the pyramids right, and I'm like who's who's they? Well, I mean that's what a lot of historians say. Jews, Jews, Jews. I don't know if there. Well, yeah, I don't know if there are any historians who on, say that. Go on. Stop it interrupting. Is, it is true what they, that they say that the Jewish slaves they say built the pyramids, and I say I think they got the contract. I don't know if they actually built the pyramids. I think they hired some Mexicans, and uh, 
And uh, and that's why people are always like, the aliens built the pyramids. It's like, yeah, illegal aliens built yeah. the pyramids. I think that I think that I think the Jew the Jewish the Jewish bondage. Did we in, offend everybody today or what? Huh? Jew, Jewish bondage Jewish bondage in Egypt, if I'm not mistaken, is um, is. A biblical claim. I don't know if that is something Ooh. that is broadly believed Jesus by most Christ, historians. Jesus Christ, what won't you bring into this podcast? I'm sorry. <laughs> Facts you're matter. Like, Fact-checking biblical claims about Jews? I didn't fact-check the biblical claim. This is 93. He said most historians. Listen, this is the fifth column. It's what we do here. Facts matter. Damn it. They're uh, safe here. Well, my They're podcast, safe here. The Brilliant Idiots, uh, we don't actually have any facts for what well, we no, talk about. Well, so, when I, when I show up, I try to help with that. Shit, <laughs> you come I try to help that. with that when I show up. Um, this has been a tour de force. We did <laughs> it, baby! Oh my, I'm sweating. Okay. Yeah, me too. I thought we'd like uh, unleash the air conditioner here. All right, people. Chad. We will we will be back at some point if I survive my trip to Chile. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I don't know whose hands you'll be in next week. Mm-hmm. Matt Welch assures me there'll be some sort of podcast, but I don't I don't know if I trust him. What's it's gonna be, happen? We're gonna get Moynihan. We'll see what happens. Alrighty. Well, for these guys. I'm Camille Foster, and I'm going to go someplace. Oh, wait. Charles, are you doing something soon? Are you performing somewhere? Oh, you yeah. Plug well, it? I don't know when this is out. When is this out? Tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Oh, it's out tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Well, if you could come out, um, we're going to do our podcast live in California. Charlemagne and I do a podcast. Oh, cool. When is that? And, uh, it's uh, it's going to be the 29th at the Now Hear This Fest. Oh, Lord. NowHearThisFest.com. It's in like Anaheim or something like that. Cool. And then I'll be, if you're in uh, Houston, I'll be in Houston uh, November 2nd at the Houston Improv. I'm going to do stand-up over there. So, Well, there it is. Yeah, come check it out. Well, go, Sweet. Go check him out. He'll do a set. Uh, people, we're gone. We got some bonus. We, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horror. The fifth column. Column. Column.